how many of you read this book? I read, I read some in your synopsis. <laughs> That's I, I, I skim read it. Skim yeah. read it. I was going to read it, but you know, you didn't give me enough time to actually read it. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have the best excuse. I haven't received it. Oh, you haven't received it yet? Oh, really? What the hell? Michael, are you sure you're sending it to the right address? Yeah, because it came back and then I corrected the address to the new one you yeah. gave me and then I sent it again. So it should be, it should be right. Well, oh well. Um, that's, that's okay. Somebody else is reading it now. I mean, the good thing about it is that you can get it uh, as an ebook for free uh, if you want to. It's also available, uh, available as audiobooks uh, and so forth. Uh, it's also available as, as the synopsis, which is probably the only thing you're going to read, uh, I imagine. I've read it, however, since we last played. Uh -huh. uh, I actually oh. just finished the last chapter this morning. <laughs> nice. Really? Yep. Wow. So like, how was it overall as a read? Like 45 minutes ago. Uh, it's a... It's a weird... It's like an adventure... Uh, it kind of goes all over the place. Uh, it's uh, it's not a fantastic book. It doesn't really have a point. Like You're not really motivating me to read it. No, <laughs> but I, I don't. It, it's not a required read, but it has certain stuff that might be of interest, um, which I hope the synopsis covers. I didn't read the synopsis. I didn't even get the synopsis. I mean, reading what? it, I was like, what's going on? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what the book is like as well. Yeah. But um, it might come into focus later. Now, was Lovecraft in, uh, inspired by Poe? Um, yeah, he was one of his favorite uh, authors. Oh. Um, so the interesting so, thing. So Poe was uh, late nineteenth century, is that right? And then yeah. Lovecraft was yeah. whatever thirty years later, or something like nineteen twenties or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a really interesting story about um, uh, Poe's death, and this is um, uh, this is all true, by the way. So the I, I heard that for. <laughs> yeah. So Poe um, was a drunk and uh, supposedly uh, ended up dying from drunkenness and, and like a long-term drunkenness. Uh, and on his deathbed, he was, he was hauled from uh, a pub somewhere to uh, his deathbed. And uh, there he was unable to say anything except uh, he called out the name of a guy, uh, Reynolds. And this Reynolds was a guy he knew who was a newspaper editor and an explorer um, who for years was trying to convince the American government to sponsor um, an expedition to the North Pole to prove that there was a hole into the hollow earth. Wow. This is real. <laughs> There'll uh, be dragons there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, and there's, there's this huge theory about hollow earth and um, uh, Reynolds was a, star a staunch believer in it. And um, Poe called out his name um, on his deathbed before finally saying, uh, Lord help my poor soul and then dying. Uh, so. <laughs> You make of that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy! So he's a real happy guy. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, does anyone want to give a quick summary of last session? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can do that. You have notes. I think. I have notes. If I can find them. 
I like your chair, Jens. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, so last session was session four. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So we... Okay, so last session is where we actually took off. But before that, there was a whole uh, discussion on this Acacia Lexington that had already beat us to, to the departure. Mm -hmm. um, there's the thing that she doesn't believe that her father, uh, some business tycoon, that he committed suicide, but instead she believes there was murder. But there doesn't seem to be anything that really indicates this except for her, her statement related to it. Um, except for the missing book? Yeah, then the, yeah, exactly. This is uh, this rare study, this manuscript that had gone missing as part of his mysterious or not death. And that is Edgar Allan Poe's book, The Narrative of Author Gordon Pym. Yeah, and what I found interesting reading the and, summary, it, it, it talked about uh, there was some part of the manuscript that was that he had written that was yeah, that's that right. disappeared. Yeah, and it had like extra information in it. Yeah, that's right. The concluding chapters, right? Yeah. They were not published. They were not part, I mean, that even seems so crazy. And now I didn't read the book, but that means that the book has like the last few chapters missing. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like so, a TV okay. series that got canceled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the last episode. Okay, so, uh, um, so this. I can I can read out the last paragraph of the book. It ends right. like this. Spoiler. Uh, so after after a long and arduous adventure, um, um, Mr. Pym and his friend uh, find themselves in a canoe with a native from the lands that they've uh, they've been captured in, um, and they've escaped, and they are uh, in this canoe. There's a lot of reading out loud in this uh, episode, by the way, so prepare thyselves. Um, March 22nd. The darkness had materially increased, relieved only by the glare of the water thrown back from the white curtain before us. Many gigantic and pallidly white birds flew continuously now from beyond the veil, and their scream was, was the eternal tekelili as they retreated from our vision. Hereupon Nunu stirred in the bottom of the boat. But upon touching him, we found his spirit departed, and now we rushed into the embraces of the cataract, where a chasm threw itself open to receive us. But there arose in our pathway a shrouded human figure, very far larger in its proportions than any dweller among men, and the hue of the skin of the figure was the perfect whiteness of the snow. And that's it. That's it. Wow. And so, the yeah, end. it's just starts getting good. That was part of the, that was the last bit of the synopsis. Uh, and then the last paragraph is to find out the ending, send uh, your credit card information too. <laughs> yeah. So okay, yeah. so that's that's obviously like a big link. The the death of Acacia Lexington's father is linked to this rare manuscript. And oh, how do we draw that the conclusion? Book that was actually published. She drew that conclusion. It was never really clear, but uh, no, I think because it was missing when, uh, like, her father died, and then they would they were doing the inventory of his things, and this this important manuscript was missing. I think it was something like that. So around the time of his death, this manuscript went missing. It was uh, being put up for sale. Auction. 
but wasn't there then it something about the, uh, a map in there as well, as far as I remember? Something about the newest map of the old world or something along those the lines? The oldest map of the of the old world, of the new old world, of Antarctica. <laughs> yes, the in her office she had uh, the Peri Reis map, which is a 1500s uh, map by a Turkish cartographer. It's the first known map uh, supposedly showing uh, Antarctica. Mm. Got it. Yeah. So, all right. So there was just that was just a bit of background there. Then uh, Dr. Altmaier, he comes aboard. Uh, a slightly eccentric German uh, professor who is a parapsychologist, a doctor in parapsychology, and you never know when that comes in handy. handy. Uh, <laughs> Almost he's, never. Uh, <laughs> his, <laughs> he's swinging his pendulum all over the place, um, and the pendulum is actually of a mineral from the South Pole. So, on the 11th of September 1933, we finally departure from New York. A few days, a few days later, the Bas Meyer Falcon expedition is to leave. That's a German expedition that's also heading for the South Pole, and they're there yes. to survey and map Antarctica. Yeah. Okay. So it basically means that there are three expeditions. Am I am I missing one? That there's there are at least three expeditions heading for the three, South yeah. Pole. Yes, and then there are also, uh, going back to our first session, there are two other uh, expeditions, but they shouldn't uh, overlap with yours that are going later in the year. That's inflation in this shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a period of exploration. So in late September, we, we sailed past the Panama Canal, and from there, uh, Heading for New Zealand, is that right? Uh, Australia. Australia. Um, and. Where are we gonna resupply, right? Yes, but. First. Yeah. But, but we didn't actually reach that. There was a lot of things going on. Yeah. 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 I got my face plummeted. <laughs> Yeah, we, we captured yeah. the... So this uh, is where things started going south. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <your start. laughs> I approve of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so some... Right, so some pipes behind the fridge, they're melted, and ammonia starts leaking, which means that about a quarter of all the food is damaged. Obviously done on purpose by a member of uh, the expedition. On the 28th, the dogs, they start attacking each other savagely. Ten dogs are dead. A few were shot in the... in the... Uh, uh, during, this, during this whole thing. It turns out they were poisoned by strych strychnine. Uh, it was a powder put into the pemmican, which is the food that I think everybody's eating, including the dog dogs. This could have been done in New York, or it could have been done on board. So, very, very worrying situation. Everybody's tense and their guards set out. Uh, our little club here, this little explorer's club of uh, the four of us, five of us, depending who's counted, uh, we decide to set up a trap. And uh, William, who is, who is William again? William, is that uh, one of character. us? Ah, okay, that's right. The pilot. Yeah. 
found a dynamite bomb. So that's a little worrying. And a whole plan comes up to um, replace the dynamite bomb with a fake bomb and then stay there as guard. We take turns guarding the place, waiting for somebody to, to turn up. Somebody does turn up on the 11th, and it is, drumroll, Adam Henning, the mess boy. The cook. Fucking, I knew it all along. Yeah. The mess boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Dr. Belcour, he uh, gets him. They start, they fire. I stop him with my face. People that <laughs> go down there. Yeah. It's more like you delay him long enough <laughs> that he can be stopped. And, uh, is it face. broken? Is it broken? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and that's it. That, that pretty much concludes the session. Uh, Adam Henning, he's, reprimand he's, uh, he's held back, he's imprisoned. And expected arrival <laughs> in, in Melbourne is the day after, uh, but we didn't arrive there yet. So that's my summary. Yep, that I think just about does it. Good notes. Um, okay, so let's refresh abilities before we move any further. Um, you can refresh up to three general abilities. Actually, uh, you know what? Um, you can refresh all of your well no let's let's do this you can refresh uh three general abilities um i think i'm gonna put something in scuffling uh you can't put something in there but you can yeah, refresh it good. <laughs> <laughs> you sucked at fighting before and you suck yeah, at fighting still after. suck at it <laughs> um and then you can refresh health, but probably not yet. Damn it. I'm in minus three. I'm hurting. So I'm, I'm in my bunk. Oh, you're minus I'm, three? I, yeah. I, I'm, oh, I'm kind of smiling dead. because it felt good to stop everybody <laughs> from blowing up. Yes. I feel like a hero a little bit, but it hurts. Okay. I have a fucking... So, so you get like a half lip. smile. I have a big lip and sore everything, but... I have my red wine. <laughs> do you now? Yeah. All right, let me just go here. So, so chemistry is not a general, right? So chemistry is a, that's a investigative? Yeah, that's investigative. Uh, those only refresh every once in a while. I'll tell you when. What about technical? Okay. Uh, nope, only general. Uh, Tom, did you change your drive? Nope. Change your drive. Oh, uh, and health? Did we get any health back? Nope. Not yet, no, but okay. uh, you will soon because you're going to be able to rest in Australia. We will go over that. Um, okay. Well, you know, we might as well do it now because uh, you're not going to be, uh, spoiler alert, you're not going to be uh, hit upon uh, until then. You can uh, heal up to two points per day. You're going to be there for a week. Um, so that's 14 points of health. That means I'm back up on top. Uh, Christian, you have psychoanalysis. Did you read my email? Yeah, I just, um, I mean, yeah, I read it. I haven't done anything. Okay. Guilty as charged. So uh, you can do that now, or uh, you know, as we as we go, the next uh, bit is going to be a lot of reading and stuff. So you can uh, go over that and kind of fix it if you want, or you can do it later. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm not so familiar with the mechanics of the system, but I mean, you pointed out that hypnosis was a no-go. Yeah. Um, 
psychoanalysis and hypnosis are both pulp skills and we're playing uh, purist mode. I'm a psychoanalysis, but I, a psychologist, but I can't do psychoanalysis. Yes. Ah. You can do psychology. Okay. All right. I think uh, I'll just swap it to psychology then. Okay. Uh, final thing I have on my uh, to-do list before uh, in the pre-game is uh, from here on out, you're all in mortal danger and I'm not going to pull any punches. So uh, I have a whole roster of NPCs you can take over when you die. <laughs> just FYI. Jesus. Okay. God damn it. Um, it gets real now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have killed Tom too if I could last session, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just as long as you know, you won't get a new background story every time. Uh, his so, parents died when he was very young. Uh, and he finds himself in a bar. Yeah. Oh, that's my. You read my story. <laughs> I'm spending my most of my downtime writing letters for my wife and lover. All right. So that they can be sent when we get to Australia. <laughs> and my kids. Um, okay, let's go around the, the table. So you're, here's the situation. You're on the ship. You're heading for Australia. You're about one day out from Melbourne and um, Henning is locked up um, and has been taken over. Uh, Captain Redenberg uh, and uh, First Officer Turlow have taken over kind of the, that situation and uh, you're all kind of rusting after a long voyage. Um, people kind of filter in and out of, uh, you know, your your, uh, your rooms, uh, in particular you, um, uh, Pierre Belcourt, and to some extent, but not so much, you, uh, Dr. Altmaier, because uh, <laughs> while you were there, uh, they find you A, too eccentric to really be around, and B, uh, you didn't do a lot. Was? <laughs> you were just kind of a distraction. Depended on work. Um, so uh, let's go around the table, starting with you, Tom. You're you're writing letters. What else? Well, I'm mostly resting because I was pretty banged up. So um, I actually don't think uh, most of the letter writing probably won't be till we hit the Australia, and I'll be sitting in the boat for the most part, um, just recovering and making sure I post the letters before we uh, set sail again. Um, well, before we before we go too far down the time passing, one of the immediate actions, one of the things I want to do, as soon as we capture and identify Hennessy, I want to go break in and search his room. Okay. But yeah, I was thinking some interrogation as well, but uh, I'll leave that to some people that can actually stand. <laughs> <laughs> Look into the pendulum. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm no longer able to use uh, hypnosis. Can I also suggest the 24-hour guard on the, the, the prisoner? That's, that's already in, in, uh, in progress. Okay. He's, he's uh, chained up in uh, a room in the forecastle. There's just going to be absolutely no way this guy gets out. No. Um, all right, David, uh, you're next. What do you do? Yeah, so that's what I want to do. I want to go search his room before anyone else... And the expedition crew has the idea to do that because maybe maybe we can identify maybe we can find that manuscript. Yep. Uh, let's see. Well, he's probably just a hired gun, this guy. But yeah, um, I'll grab my... one of the I'll grab one of the guys to come with me so I have backup and a lookout. Yeah, you should take the Norwegian guy. I'm I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Michael, are you recording? Yes, you should probably record too, just so we have a backup. 
<laughs> also, that way I can fill in your your laggy recording with your. Where are we? Does anyone else have any lock picking skills? Um, I have one point. Um, I think. Uh, well, you don't need a lock picking skill, I and mean, you can just uh, you can just ask Turlo or somebody else. I mean, they obviously they captured him at this point. Uh, uh, an investigation is fully in order. Okay. All right. So, um, how do you go about that? As discreetly as possible. I don't want people to know if they don't have to that we're going to do it because I want to try to get there first and have the first chance to to go through his things and and have the option of retaining something without someone looking over my shoulder and mm. then having to force me to turn it in. Mm. Does so, he have his own uh, cabin? This ending. No, he shares a cabin with um, Coates and Abraham, the ship's cook. Coates and they should, others. They should probably in, be interrogated too. Those two. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to set something up so both of them are on shift, when we know they're on shift, mm -hmm. we can go do the cabin when they're on shift so they won't be there. Okay, well you could get Turlo or somebody to call them, you know, somewhere. Give them some inventorying duty, they have to go yeah. inventory <laughs> some of the food. There's plenty of that. <laughs> go and uh, lick every piece of uh, food to see if it's poisoned. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, they're going to be busy around mealtime anyway, so you could do it there as well. But it doesn't either. Either way, um, you you can gain access to the to the to the room. Okay. Um, so it's a small room. Uh, it's uh, it's actually in the aft castle, which means you know the back of the ship, uh, and uh, it's super cramped. Three people in this really small room, and uh, there's a footlocker uh, beneath uh, Henning's bunk. Um, that is... Well, what cabin is it? What number? You know, uh, let me just look that up. So on a, on a crowded ship with the, where this guy doesn't have much privacy because he shares a room, where would he hide stuff of value? See, he has access to the food stores, right? So maybe maybe in the, like the freezer or the refrigerator or something or a place that uh, only I'm he... I'm thinking more it would be interesting to see if we can find any personal letters or notes, diary, books, anything. Yeah. We want to check in his mattress. Yeah. Place where you'd hide stuff. Uh, so his room uh, would be uh, like 4F. 4F. On the hair Hold on, let me shift you guys over to the... So it's easy enough to gain access to, to the room and uh, and everything, uh, and then there's his footlocker. I got chills. Search search every nook and cranny in that room. Yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me they opened the footlocker. Wish I. Okay. Was there a footlocker there? <laughs> I think I'm going to we'll start it. with the obvious. Okay, we open the footlocker. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, you find a much folded copy of Starkweather's original expedition announcement uh, clipped out of the New York uh, New York newspaper. 
you find two carefully stoppered glass bottles of clear liquid, one full, the other uh, almost empty, uh, clearly, clearly labeled sulfuric acid, extremely poisonous, do not swallow. Okay, or pour on your refrigerator. Anyone with chemistry can verify that it is indeed sulfuric acid. Yes, I have chemistry. You open it up. That might be something useful to, to <laughs> hold on to. Um, and then a telegram. Sorry, what is it? You verify that it is sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid. You should pour it on his hands and that will make him talk. <laughs> That's not the good way to verify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then a telegram offering Henning $250 for his exclusive eyewitness account of the voyage of the Gabrielle sent by Chicago Wire News. What? He wasn't going to make that money if he blew it up with himself on board. That doesn't seem like the... Or was he? <laughs> yeah. So he got an offer for exclusive rights to telling about the expedition. It seems. Uh, it was an offer for two hundred fifty dollars for his exclusive eyewitness account uh, <laughs> to a Chicago newswire service. Okay, but that doesn't seem like uh, the people who wanted to blow up the ship, I guess. No. Um, t t just a note, when I was reading the, the biography of uh, Roald Amundsen, that was like a thing that came up all the time. That's basically how he made money. And it happened several times that one of his crew members, they would, they would uh, make a statement to the press before the uh. captain, Roald Amundsen himself did it. And it was a big deal because that's basically how he made his living. And the newspapers, they were like, uh, they were in bidding wars uh, to, get the, to get these exclusive rights. So this is... Uh, Seems totally likely, historically a completely likely thing. Yeah. That, uh, that so a you, like a, the a peon could like uh, undermine the whole thing by yeah, totally. And then they they got a basically a gag order from the from the captain. They weren't allowed to say anything until he said it because he was paid too, right? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'll check the inside of the footlocker and see if there's maybe any hidden compartments. Um, Ooh, check there. the lining. There are not. Lid. Uh, yeah. So what you can do in situations like this, just to refresh your uh, the system for you guys, uh, you can say, I use evidence collection. Okay. Uh, I don't have that. Um, I, don't I don't have either. I do have... <laughs> I think it's, the wrong guys win it. <laughs> it's only an, an investigation game. <laughs> uh, I have athletics. <laughs> well, yeah. You're going to need that. You're gonna need to do a backflip in there. I have evidence collection, but I'm uh, in my bunk. Yep. Damn it. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, in the pillow, under the pillow, under the mattress. Yep. Yep. So this is called a simple search, and uh, you find nothing. God damn it! You could have found but something, it, but there's nothing to find. Right. Unless uh, you had evidence collection. Yeah. Yeah. I should have thought of that. Well, are you looking for anything in particular? For me, it's documents. Documents. I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah, looking for letters. Um, yeah, anything. I mean, if I mean, he, if he's the bomb guy, which is, I guess, quite likely, but not certain. I think yeah. he would have uh, detonators or something, wiring, something similar. Maybe traces of uh, dynamite elsewhere. Or well, all of the. Um, all the wire and the, the dynamite for making a bomb was in the hold uh, when he was down there. That he was preparing the last bit of that bomb. 
So okay. was, like so all the dynamite was tied into the fuel storage and the, the detonator wire was uh, drawn from the bomb up to the, the hatch or almost anyway. Oh, so the intention was to set it off while he was almost on top and then be able to take a boat and escape? Probably. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of strange though, he has no weapons or uh, I would expect if he's really, if he's sneaking around the boat trying to do things that are, are sabotaging the expedition, he would arm himself. Did somebody Did search him before he was put into the prison? Nah. <laughs> and with uh, that, a big yeah. explosion yeah. shakes the ship. <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that he was searched. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, you, you made a point, David, that he's, he's pretty much, like all of us have had, pretty much free access to the entire yeah. ship. So he could have stored things anywhere, including yeah. weapons, including anything else. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, did yeah, we, I think if he shares a cabin with two other guys, he's probably least likely to hide it there where they're because that's the most likely place where someone's just going to stumble across it. Yeah. Didn't we uh, last time uh, talk about uh, searching the lifeboats? You searched the lifeboats. And we didn't find anything. No. It might just be an obvious place to, to, to take his belongings and all his uh, incriminating evidence for being a bad guy if you want to escape. Well, if the boat was sinking, I guess he wouldn't need to hide anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, guess the, I guess the only way forward from here is actually interrogating him. Yeah. Um, while you're sitting around uh, uh, contemplating these things, uh, Moore comes down and uh, asks you all to, uh, to one by one, uh, go through your uh, testimony um, and have it written down in the presence of uh, the captain and the first officer um, so that uh, all this paperwork is available when you land in Melbourne for the police to have. Right. Uh, so just a question, I, I don't know if it's meta or not, but <laughs> what we've done is that's, I mean, we kind of did our own little exclusive uh, investigative group and took the initiative to uh, dismantle this, this bomb. And we like sort of working outside of the authority of the captain, wouldn't this be either illegal or uh, at least sort of not really acceptable well it could it could potentially be uh, I'm sure that the captain has opinions about whether he should have been included or not if we hadn't saved everybody I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what uh, is probably in our favor <laughs> yeah um, but we did let we did let uh, more know and more is kind of you know he he's more was in on the whole on the whole bomb plan I thought I, I thought we went to him I think and so, told yeah. him our plan yeah, to yeah. I think so to stake okay. it out. Yeah. I think we are in the clear. Yeah, you saved the boat, so so you know it's hard to be it's hard to be mad uh, about having your life saved. Um, so so there is that, and then beyond that, um, you know, uh, 
in terms of breaking any laws, there are very few laws at sea, uh, certainly during this time. So, you know, you're mostly in the clear, I think. Most. But, but I think um, it's a good point. I mean, does he harbor any bad feelings towards us? Do we need to be more careful or... I mean, we're heroes. Du, 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 du. <laughs> or is it A-okay that we just Belcour, go in and interrogate this guy? I'm sorry, what? Are we allowed to go in to, and interrogate him? Uh, well, you can try. So who else is qualified to do it? I know there's no security on the ship, so it's all a bunch of it's a boatload of scientists. So uh, I say, bring the. We're as, we're as qualified as anyone. I, <laughs> I have the intimidation and interrogation. Okay, then you are definitely very qualified. <laughs> Good, Good job. Bring the acid. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, but yeah, because he, right. he may not be the only one. He may not be working alone. That's the thing. Yeah, that's, that's why we need to talk to his bunk mates as well. Yeah. Um, well, you do know that the uh, the caption uh, the caption the captain um, has uh, put Henning under a lock and key and uh, said that no one is allowed to come come and see him. Well, I guess I can whisper intimidating remarks in through the cracks <laughs> of the door. We will get you. We will get, get you. you. So we just need to get the captain's permission then to, to interrogate. Should be easy enough. Um, okay. So, okay, but just to summarize, so we don't need to really worry about that we get the, our story straight. We just basically tell it how it is. That's it. Yeah. There's no, oh, there doesn't seem to be any real risk. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Well, then we just tell it like it is. No problem. Are there any details we'd want to hide? I don't think no. there's... Well, I'm certainly not going to mention my moonshine storage that I'm keeping under my boat. Besides <laughs> no. that... There seems to be a whole lot of moonshine on board this boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In unspecified quantities, so it's just always there. I love that. <laughs> Never run out. Belcour is just drinking wine all the time, with no regard for how many barrels he'd have to like to have carried. I might board. do a supply run in, in Australia. Yeah, I have. They have shit wine there, but I guess I'll just. Do you do anything, or should I just uh, move along? Move along. Well, we're available for uh, for questions. You no, know, if you want to include us, uh, just. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, so you all go through uh, giving the testimony and, and kind of uh, it gets written down, a copy gets made, it gets dated and written, uh, uh, signed by witnesses and, and so forth. Um, Officer Tolo, Captain Rudenberg. Um, and um, and then while this is going on, this is in the last, you know, the last day before you land in Melbourne, uh, Starkweather is constantly on the radio and you can hear him uh, loudly negotiating with um, various uh, people in Melbourne to, to help resupply the, um, the stores. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be restocked. Uh, there's five tons of pemmican, 12 tons of frozen and perishable foods, uh, 12 uh, oxygen cylinders, uh, photographic dogs, dogs. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff. This goes on into the night. You can you you see um, the light on the. In we the need radio. to interrogate the guy quick because we it yeah. will be too late once we hit land. Yeah, exactly. That's my fault as well. We 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 want to interrogate him before. Let's go to the captain. Yeah. And ask for permission. Right. right? So, I, yeah. Um, so we'll ask for forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> but we have to get in there, so... Uh, William, you seem to have had the sort of best rapport with uh, Starkweather, at least from my memory. Maybe you could um, negotiate permission for us to speak with him. Okay, I think, well, I think Moore is probably the more level-headed of the two. Right. We should probably talk with him. Okay. Yeah, I'll go yeah. and see Moore. Okay. You find him uh, helping uh, Starkweather in the radio room. <laughs> I wonder if it would be a good idea to talk to them both. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get him alone. Say, Professor Moore, can I have a word, please? Uh, yes, sure. Uh, he puts down the various papers and uh, comes out into the hallway. Yes, uh, regarding this dreadful Henning situation, what a terrible thing, but I think it's imperative we try to determine as quickly as possible the scope of his betrayal and if he's even the only one involved, considering he was willing to take such drastic measures as putting the entire ship in danger with dynamite. I don't think we can wait until we make port. I think we need to to interview him and find out if we can ascertain if there's any other accomplices or if something we need to know immediately. Ah, yes, that is, that has been on my mind, but uh, I'm afraid that the captain is quite adamant that no one, no one see him. Uh, I think he, uh, he's afraid that if he does have any accomplices, uh, that they might talk to him and, you know, exchange information and so forth. But we were the ones that prevented the bomb attack. Obviously, we cannot be thought of as uh, potential accomplices. No, I, I suppose uh, I suppose you have a, a point. Uh, yeah. Well, so, and why don't you accompany us so that way you can be in our presence at all times and you can see that what we talked to him about is strictly on the basis of trying to find out if there's any threatening information. Well, we can certainly try, but uh, we are in a bit of a we are a bit busy as well, trying to make sure we can resupply when we're in Melbourne. Uh, why don't you talk to talk to the captain and see if if you can convince him, and then uh, then we'll see. Okay, thanks, sir. Um, you find the captain on the bridge. Okay, uh, captain, a, a word, please. Uh, yes. Uh, I was just speaking with uh, Professor Moore, and um, he he feels very strongly that we should question the Hennessy <laughs> uh, before we make port uh, to try to find out if there's any critical information that we need to know about if the ship is in danger. Um, based on based on his strong desire to question the, the the prisoner, I'd like to take some of the individuals that have skills in that area and see if we can get some valuable information from him. And uh, who would these people be? Uh, who's who has the interrogation? Ma uh, Magnus. Ah, 
Magnus has quite a bit of experience in the field with uh, dealing with personnel in these matters and investigating issues like this. Well, uh, it's not in my... I don't usually let people uh, talk to confined prisoners. What would, the, what would you hope to find? Well, I think we need to know what his intent was and if there are others involved that uh, he may not be the only one that's endangering the ship. The ship could still be in danger. Uh, if there's another individual that has plans and, and is un, it's unknown to us, they could be going about those plans currently. And they may be even more desperate now that one of their colleagues was found out. This is a this is a big this could be a big conspiracy considering the fire that was set before we departed. There could be multiple individuals on the crew that have knowledge of that act. Yeah, that I is got. true. That is true. But unfortunately, um, not entirely certain who to trust. Uh, and without hopefully stepping on anyone's toes, yourselves included, everything considered. Well, with the, with the considering, ex considering that uh, if, if yeah. we were involved in this, then it wouldn't have been in our best interest to bring it to, to the light in the first place. I think that, honestly, we're the only people at this point that you really can trust short of the expedition leaders, because uh, I think we've proven that we're intent on stopping this, this heinous action. Wow. That's... And her Captain. Uh, we could uh, consider letting uh, more as part of this interrogation team. That way you will have your own personal uh, account of uh, what will transpire. I'll do better than that. I'll, I'll be there myself. Okay, excellent. I'll give you a few minutes with the men, but beyond that, I don't want to... I, I don't want to have this... In. Yes, Mr. Altmeyer. Can, can I be so bold as to ask, what are your intentions of this individual? I intend to hand him over to the Australian authorities. We've called ahead already and we've taken your depositions and I want to get this matter off my boat as soon as possible. But in that manner, you, we will not know, as, as our dear beloved pilot just mentioned, we will not know if he has any accomplices on board. and. Uh, it is, I, I totally agree it is paramount that we speak with this individual and uncover the whole mess before we let the individual uh, escape or yeah, be handed over to the proper authorities. Dr. Altmaier. How long, how long do we have until we make port? Uh, at this point, maybe 12 hours. Okay. 12 that's, hours. A, that's enough for a good waterboarding session. So, in, in Germany, we also have a base to, to, to deal with this kind of misbehavior. Uh, I mean, uh, like, uh, no, I'm not there, so I won't say it. We call it Fingerknackerei. <laughs> he will talk. Um, he, uh, he hands over um, command of the ship to uh, Officer Turlo and uh, walks down with you guys to the uh, forecastle where uh, there's a small uh, uh, storage room slash holding cell uh, where one of, the, one of the ship's crew members is sitting outside uh, reading a, a pulp novel. Um, 
and uh, he uh, opens the door to the room. Uh, Henning is inside, uh, sitting, uh, kind of leaning against the the wall of the the room. His hands in uh, handcuffs behind his back. Uh, he's sitting on top of a a, a turned over bucket. Um, and you can see in the corner there's there's a another bucket which is not turned over to be used as a as an impromptu bathroom. Um, it's dark and and kind of smelly. Uh, what do you do? Henning looks up at you as you come in. He's he like, looks tired and kind of just stares at you. Hello, Henning. We're here to have a, a chat with you. I'm just looking to see if he has a response. Is he conscious? Is he present? Does he? He's conscious. He he looks at you, but he doesn't answer. Here's the thing, Henning. In 1922, a chef aboard the the good ship. Um, uh, this is the point where I probably had to have like a name thought of. <laughs> the, the, the SF um, the SF Copenhagen the chef about the, the SS Copenhagen he let some food uh, rot killing one crew member not with intent but this is what happened that chef is still in prison today locked up um, locked up for good Henning here's the thing when we reach Melbourne tomorrow unless you have what we need, you're going to prison for a very, very long time. Attempted murder, attempted murder on the entire crew of the SS Gabriel. We have an old prison colony, you know this. It's an old prison colony. They know, they definitely have room <laughs> in their prisons here. They're prepared. You're going to go to jail for many, many years. The only thing that can save you now, Henry, is if you tell us who worked with you, what are your intent? This is your only chance to come clean. When we let you over to the Australian crazy police. You get a didgeridoo up the you know where. We have reason to believe you're behind the fire of the SS Gabriel. You have poisoned the food of the crew members and the dogs. You have planted a bomb on board Henning. Things are not looking good for you. The only thing that can redeem you is if you come clean, tell us who hired you, tell us who you're working with on board and off board. Heile, while is Magnus it. is uh, going through all this, I'm just very calmly taking up my uh, a wooden box and, and opening it very slowly while Magnus is uh, going through his... Uh, <laughs> and in this wooden box, I slowly pick up my pendulum and then prepare it <laughs> as if uh, I were willing to put him under some sort of uh, hypnotic. Uh, <laughs> basically, I'm just, um, I'm just, just preparing it as if I'm putting and, him. And William under. should be putting on rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they fit nicely now. Please continue, Magnuson. When when you feel your approach is not working, I will put him on the sleep, and he will then, for certain, tell us everything. Very well, Doctor. Very well. So I step in and put my face into right in front of Henning's. Henning, 
Spill the beans. Tell us what is the intent of your mad behavior. Redeem yourself, man. He's uh, he's sitting kind of like spit you in the face. Mass? Wow, wow! My whiskey breath is, is over him. <laughs> okay, I just I have a peek back just to see if uh, Starkweather by any chance is there looking. I assume he is. Starkweather's not there. Uh, Captain Redenberg is there, standing behind standing behind you. Great! I I grab him by the collar and slap him across the face. Henning, this is it. Who are you working with? Spill the beans now. Redenborg, uh, Redenborg st steps in. That's enough. He pulls you away from him. I will not have this on my ship. Uh, yeah. You look at <laughs> Henning. Henning, he, he just sits. <laughs> Let me have just two more minutes with him. Just two more minutes. Oh, no, that's enough. Get out of here. Who can sail a ship? We need to take out the captain. Lock this door. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just need to take it to Australia. He uh, he he guides you off. He's like, he's a hard case. We'll hand him over to the Australian authorities and see what he has to say then. Lock the door. Um. Verdammt. Somebody ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> We need to be unobserved. I hope we, we can talk to him alone and out. offer to sneak him off the boat or something like that in a lifeboat, you know, like escape him if he told us everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. I'd be ready for that. He gives the guard uh, strict orders to to let no one see Henning uh, before you... you uh... But, Manus, you didn't even use your skill. Well, I, I, I did. Uh, he, did he, I? he roleplayed enough that I automatically apply it since the, it, it is impossible for you guys to use the actual system. Um, do you have any other things you want to do before uh, before moving moving on? Well, I mean, I think, uh, how how much time do we have before we're we're reaching shore? Uh, you, it'll be the next day. Um, it's night. You could probably you could probably persuade the doorman at some point to let us in later. Well, yeah. but then since we did save his ass, uh, Doctor Altmaier, would you be able to uh, control Henning's mind <laughs> in any I way? Would, yeah, <laughs> I would really like to do an in-depth psychoanalysis of this uh, disturbed individual. But that would require extensive hours of interrogation. And uh, of, at a certain extent, he also has to be willing. Well, so that's exactly two requirements that are, different, uh, that are difficult to fulfill. Or then we could always just go with the wire cutters <laughs> and the knuckles. <laughs> I, I do not object to these methods. <laughs> Personally, I think they would yield quite decent results. Checking the circumstances into <laughs> consideration. But it would be difficult to get access to the cabin. Yeah. And not without to... destroying the trust of the captain. Yeah. It is a predicament. It... Well, he's, he uh, clearly shows no remorse or no desire to try to yeah, improve this position now that he's caught. So. He has some, either he has some false sense of confidence, which may 
which may lead us to believe that there are others involved, right? Because he maybe he has some faith there's a network that's going to support him, or he doesn't want to betray others because the consequences are more are more significant. So maybe we need to assume that he's not acting alone. Because if he were just a lone actor, I think he'd be willing to try to save himself and give up what he knows. I think I really think that we we need to patrol the area as well, 24/7. I don't think we can trust just the one guy. Yeah. I think if, if there is another one on board. The the two bottles uh, we found, one contained uh, sulfuric acid, and did the other one contains this uh, strychnine? No, they both were acid. Just one was the one of the vials used to pour on the refrigerator. Ah. He had a second one. But we haven't actually found the source of the strychnine. Well, you could have used it all. Yeah. Or it could have been done. And yeah, but it, yeah. We still didn't talk to his room bunkmates either. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they've seen something. Maybe they've noticed. Well, the, that I don't think we need permission for. That's no, kind of no. outside the scope, yeah. right? So, yeah, we definitely could go do that. Do that. Find out if there is, uh, if they've noticed anything. Uh, yeah. Mysterious. Did anyone come visit him? Yeah, yeah. Did he, did he talk with anyone else? Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Do it. I'm still, uh, you know, soaking up some wine in my bunk. <laughs> okay, so let's see skills that will be good at that. We're, frozen meat on my face. I don't think we want to intimidate them, right? So we want to try to use some skills that would gain their confidence. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. like getting them drunk. Reassurance. Reassurance yeah. or, yeah. And then failing that, intimidation would be good. So maybe we should start off. <laughs> and, then, saying, and failing that, uh, scuffling. <laughs> yeah. You should probably leave uh, Pierre out of that then. Yes. Oh, so what is cop talk again? Uh, it's being able to talk to cops. <laughs> it's being is able that to. Being good cop, bad cop routine. I don't think so. No, it's being able to get access to things that you otherwise would normally be uh, a cop uh, to to gain access to. Here, let me look up. Knowing the, knowing the law enforcement system. Yeah. And you know how to speak the lingo of the police and make them feel confident and relaxed in your presence. Uh, you may be a current blah 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 blah. Yeah. Shall we try to find his bunkmates in the mess hall or something? Sure. And see if we can. Uh, we can also strike it up as a, as a, you know, we are approaching port. Let's get drunk for the last night, or and then hopefully uh, win their confidence in that manner. Yeah. Well, because if they are in on it, yeah, they're not going to tell us outright. So yeah, maybe we yeah. should just like uh, look at their foot lockers and. I assume you searched the hole, not just his. Uh, well, I didn't. That was our intent to go search the whole room to see if the whole room. Yeah, true. Because he could have hid stuff anywhere. Mm. Um, yeah. So, in case we didn't, Michael, then maybe that would be. That, that's at least one thing to verify. Did we look at the footlocker of the other crew members in the cabin? No, you did not. Then let's let's get that done. Okay. Um, so you wanna you wanna go down to the room again and yeah. uh, have a look? 
Yeah. Uh, I would suggest that uh, a couple of us try to to get them drunk and, and, and win the conference while uh, some other members perhaps search us their lockers. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna need a stealth roll for anyone who wants to approach the cabin and look into the lockers in case you want to do it without getting noticed. It is, uh, that is an offense uh, to... Yeah, I imagine. Um, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Okay. Uh... William, should we go and then see if we can find them in, in, in the meantime and, and ask if they would join us for a drink? Sure, let's do it. Let's bring a, a bottle of whiskey or something. Yeah. It's it's after dinner. Um, they're probably in the kitchen uh, cleaning up slash getting ready for tomorrow's uh, breakfast. Okay. Okay. I just be, before I, I attempt to go into the cabin, I just want to make sure that I know where it's like it's a three men per cabin, right? Yeah. So there's another two bunk mates. Uh, so there's yeah there's uh, Henning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's um, uh, 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 Philip Coates and Niles Abraham. Uh, Coates is a mess boy, Abraham is a cook. Philip and Abraham. They are here, let me, uh, they're available on the crew roster as well. Got it. I wonder who would know the conditions under which they were hired for the expedition. You know, were they hired at the same time? Do they know each other? Mm. Were, were they put in that bunk just randomly? Or was there some connection between them? Would, would any of the expedition leadership know that? Um, expedition leadership or the ship leadership? Okay, we'll go talk to them and ask them that as well to see if we can get a little background on them. All right. Yeah. So, um, Manus, you're mm -hmm. you're attempting to enter yes. the room. Yeah. I first just have a shot of moonshine just to calm the nerves, <laughs> and then I go into full mm. stealth mode. Um, <laughs> all right. Give okay, me. So uh, I have three in stealth, and I intend to use all three for this maneuver. Okay. So I just, I forgot how it is. It's just plus three in that case, right? 1d6 plus three. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. Fuck. Mm. All right, you make your way aft of the ship uh, across the deck. Uh, it's pretty quiet. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice. People are either in the, um, um, in the, uh, what you might call it, mess hall. Um, um, you know, just hanging out. Uh, a few people are on the foredeck, um, uh, looking out across the sea, and there are probably some people in the aft castle, but um, they're in their bunks, uh, relaxing, they're sleeping already, um, and then various other people attending to their their duties. Um, you make your way in uh, through the the aft castle. Uh, there's like a, an entrance, and then. The rooms are all kind of distributed in in a circle almost, um, mm -hmm. and uh, find Henning's uh, Henning Coates and Abraham's room and, and go in there, um, closing the door quietly behind you, and dig through their belongings uh, yeah. like a thief in the night. Yes, um, you find nothing of uh, note: um, uh, pipes, uh, some books, uh, letters uh, from home. 
letters written uh, to be sent when you arrive in Melbourne to home, to loved ones, nothing, nothing that seems out of the ordinary. Right. Um, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, okay. Nothing. Okay, so this, so just to make absolutely to make it absolutely clear, I went through their foot lockers, right? Yep. I imagine that's the only place where we sort of officially have private space. Uh, yeah, and so in this case, what you also would normally uh, do is uh, say, for instance, I use evidence collection and go through the room to make sure, you know. Um, yes. So I guess I would do that if I had it, but you don't. But I don't. Uh, do you have anything? So yeah, what else? Conceal or uh, no? That's, skies? that's specifically if you want to to do those things. Um, I, preparedness. Um, preparedness is, is yeah. That's that'll come in handy later. Right. Um, but this so this will work too. This is a simple search. So if you specifically say I do this and I do this, then. I'll, I'll give you whatever's there. Um, and the evidence collection is just a faster way to get the same. Um, but the, you go through the lockers. Uh, I assume you quickly check, you know, under pillows and, and the beds, yeah. you know, stuff, and, and you don't find anything. Um, okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's it. I'm not gonna go any more any more thorough than that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. Looking, looking into the pillow, under the pillow. You know, basically getting my hands everywhere to see if I can feel anything strange in the mattress, that sort of thing. I imagine there's not like a lot of little crooks and crannies, but if there's anything that looks suspicious, of course I'm going to check that out. No, there's not really. These rooms are pretty bare bone. Right. Okay. Well, you then hear, I, I um, you hear voices outside the door. Then the voices seem to walk down the the hallway and disappear out onto the deck. Right, okay, then I, I, here's my plan. I'm going to sneak out the door, but if I see anybody out there, I'm going to immediately act like I'm drunk and then start <laughs> swearing, uh, you know, to make it seem like I walked into the wrong cabin. That's it. Okay, That's my plan. Good, good plan. <laughs> All right, you exit again. Uh, there's nobody there. You see the backs of a couple of guys um, uh, walking towards the mess hall on the deck. Uh, that's it. Right, I, I close the door and just uh, calmly walk away. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, you guys are in the in the kitchen. Uh, it's not called the kitchen. It's called something else. What's it called? The mess. The mess. The mess. Yeah. Is it called the mess? Ah, oh. Ben, <laughs> <laughs> Um Henning and not Henning. Abraham and Coates are in the kitchen. Uh, in the middle of uh, Coates is scrubbing things down, and, and Abraham is preparing uh, the breakfast for for the day after, uh, getting things ready. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen. When are your working hours over? We are wondering if you would like to join us for a drink. Uh, Abraham uh, turns to look at you. He's busy, you know, getting getting stuff done. Uh, well, we have we have some work to do still. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't know about I don't know about you, Coates. Coates turns around. He's like, ah, it's been kind of a long day. Uh, I don't know. No maybe kidding. We're just we're trying to to get our heads wrapped around this crazy thing with Henning. What is what a strange fellow. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. They shoot each other like a like Lance. Like, yeah. I mean, what what was it like rooming with him? Did you have any idea? Coates kind of stops his his cleaning for a while. Uh, no, I. 
I'll tell you, it's kind of a shock. Coach is a young, you know, young, young kid. Uh, you know, maybe it's even his first time at sea. It's hard to say, but um, it's like, no, I, I had no idea. Very. I mean, I suppose you can't really trust anyone. Did he keep to himself, or did he talk, or did you get to know him? No, he was he was quite friendly. Uh, I mean, we we used to hang out all the time. I mean, we worked together here, you know, in the kitchen. Uh, his duties were now. I have to pick up his duties too. <laughs> so you hung out uh, before the expedition off the ship. Um, yeah, a little bit. We we you know we had some times in the town. Uh, uh, we got drunk. I mean, we. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody gets to know each other a little bit when you're going on a ship, uh, you know, for a while. You want to kind of know who you're sailing with, you know? Is there anyone else that joined you for the drink or that you saw Henning interacting with? Um, give me... Do you have interrogation? I've got, I, I have, let's see. Well, what about interrogation? I have, yeah, I have that. I also have reassurance. Uh, I have intimidation, reassurance. Uh, well, you decide what you want to. I just at this point, I would like a skill use. Yeah. Well, first, I want to do assess honesty to to try to figure out if I'm getting a read okay. on if he's being upfront or not. So, he seems he seems upfront. Now, there's he doesn't seem to be hiding anything. Okay. Then I want to use reassurance to let him know that you know. Uh, I just I just want to try to find out what the circumstances were, and I don't suspect him or think that he's not in trouble. I just if he if he knows anything about what we why we can ascertain what Hennessy's goal was and who uh, who else might know Hennings. something Hennings yeah. yeah or 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 who else might know something, you know, he can feel confident letting me know that I'm not going to tell anyone. Yeah, I mean he he. Um... It's, no, I, I mean, we, it was uh, me, you know, uh, Henning, I think Lyle, Wiley, they're, they're laundry boys. Uh, you know, a couple of the seamen. Uh, you know, when you're on board a ship, you end up hanging out a lot. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't, didn't catch on anything. I'm very surprised, to be honest. But what, Do you remember were him they... bringing any, any packages or anything into the room, or him putting anything away, like glass vials or packages that look like parcels? No, not really. But I mean, I wasn't watching him either, you know. Um, but I mean, it doesn't come as a surprise in the retrospect. He had ac he had access to uh, you know the the stores and uh, the the freezer and, and everything, so. So I, I guess it doesn't. It's not surprising that it would be him. Did he manage to to do his job oh, properly, yeah. or did he? I mean, I mean, were there any hours where he was just mysteriously away, not reporting for duty? I mean, it's a ship. People disappear all the time for a little privacy, but uh, I wouldn't be that wouldn't be that surprising, I guess. Um, I mean, maybe in retrospect, he was a little. He sometimes kept a little to himself, but nothing more than anybody anybody would. I mean, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked him out of a lineup. I don't think I would have picked any one of you, to be honest. Uh, before I would have picked. In fact, I would have definitely have picked any one of you before I would have picked him. Uh, no offense. Of course, no offense. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I, I do have to get back to 
you see Abraham kind of sending him uh, looks of like, would you get on with it so we can finish up here? Looks. Uh, he he grabs his bucket and starts wiping down the the rest of the the mess. And now we want to see if we can get a hold of Abraham on his own and get do the same routine. Well, he's standing there. He he seems a little kind of occupied with with uh, readying uh, food and whatnot, and also. They're packing up the the ships, uh, um, some of the ship's stores, because you're going to be on land, and so you're not going to they're not going to have to make as much food as as usual. Uh, the uh, idea, by the way, in case you forgot, it's to be in Melbourne for about five days. Uh, he's there in the in the in the kitchen. Okay, I'll ask him the same line of questioning and try to get the same read on him. Yeah, I mean, you get more or less the same kind of... He's, he seems more busy and slightly annoyed that you're asking him while he's trying to do his work. Um, but more or less the same the same line of answers. Okay. But, I mean, uh, I assume you assess honesty on him as well. Yeah. He seems ex- like the same. Um, surprised, uh, you know, uh, happy to be alive uh, and so willing to endure your line of questioning, but nevertheless um, surprised. Okay. Maybe a little happy to have a room with only one bunk mate now, but beyond that. Mm, but, mm, did you guys uh, ca- came up on the ship at the same time? I uh, mean, were you hired for the expedition uh, as a team? Uh, I've uh, Abraham uh, says I've been on the I've been on the ship for for uh, about the past year or so and. Uh, Henning was was hired for the expedition, and, and uh, Coates uh, Coates as well, uh, I believe. But but then a lot of people are a lot of the some of the engine crew, some of the seamen, you know, I'm sure various other the boatswain, I believe, is is new. Uh, the carpenter, you know, it's ships are ships are always interchanged with crew at almost every every port to some extent. Get some risk, guys. And short of short of more robust interrogation techniques, which I don't think we can employ now. Yeah. <laughs> Your time will come. <laughs> I keel haul every crew member one at a time. <laughs> I still have that vial of acid. <laughs> All right. Um it's it's getting late. Uh they're locking down the kitchen. People are, you know, hanging out in the um uh, in the in the officers' mess and whatnot, and uh, you know people are still mumbling about today's events, and uh, there's still some some stress between some of the expedition leaders to get the the various stores restocked, and uh, beyond that, people are kind of starting to talk about it'll be nice to get some time off in Melbourne and and uh, and, and get some 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 land underfoot again. Unless anybody has anything else you would like to do, I will continue uh, onwards. Uh, I'll, I'd like to try and get up and take a pee because like, my whole body hurts a lot. You stumble, <laughs> <laughs> you stumble through the uh, through the uh, the common space into the into the bathroom where you you piss blood. Yes, you piss blood. <laughs> <laughs> or is it red wine? We'll never know. Yes, hard to say. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, out of curiosity, I forgot to do this at the top of the game, but um, I just want to go around the room. Everybody say where you are and what time of day it is. So I'm in New York. It's 10.30 a.m. Okay. South Korea, 11.30 p.m. Paris, 4.30. Uh, Brazil, 11.30 in the morning. Copenhagen, Denmark, 4.30 p.m. It's a pretty good spread. Yeah, no kidding. That's great. Yeah. And the weather's great. Technology. The sun is shining. Yeah. The sun is shining and I'm stuck indoors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weather's amazing here too. Uh, almost too amazing sometimes. All right. Um, so we shall continue. Chapter five. <clears throat> so here begins the reading out loud. Uh, there's a lot of this. This is the largest chunk of the game, and uh, um, we'll. Yep, uh, and it's done. There's going to be so there's actually a, an optional um, Australia chapter as well um, that I'm going to skip over. It's it's a resupply chapter. I I think you guys could do it. <laughs> they got the inventory more kids. Literally, the, one of the <laughs> one of the things is uh, a mission to um, restock your pemmican. So you have to figure out how to get uh, where can you do that? Well, you got to find a cannery. Okay, you find a peach cannery, and there's like you you. Have to Fuck that shit! I'm in my bunk. <laughs> All great stuff. I'm going to skip over that stuff. But uh, it's, I will. It's kangaroo pemmican. Yeah. Kangaroo <laughs> Koala pemmican. <laughs> All right. Sailing along the Australian coast towards Port Phillip in Melbourne in the middle of October is a treat indeed. After a long stretch at sea. Just as North America is turning from summer into autumn, Australia is turning from a mild winter into a warming spring. The coast of New South Wales is a delight to the eyes. Mixed stands of conifers and broadleaf trees march up gentle hills into the heights of the Great Divide Range. Forests are broken up by small areas of grassland and the coast is dotted with thriving towns and cities. As the Gabrielle rounds the end of Cape Howe, however, the sea turns choppy and a cold, hard wind drives idlers below decks. With the island of Tasmania to port, the ship struggles through the Bath Straits and around the Wilson Promontory. It's a relief when the ship reaches Port Phillip Head and the calmer waters beyond. Melbourne is located at the northern end of Phillip, Port Phillip uh, Bay, 30 miles from its mouth. The entrance into the bay is less than a mile wide and is known locally as the Rip. This narrow channel is regarded as one of the most treacherous, navigable passages of water in the world. The Gabrielle waits offshore as the sea pilot is ferried out from the Queenscliff pilot station and the pilot guides the ship through the dangerous waters, navigating carefully through the maze of rocks and reefs and channels, and northwards past fishing trawlers and scallop boats to its berth in the Port Phillip. The trip takes several hours. At last, the seaport can be seen to the north, with Melbourne itself beyond, beneath a faint pall of industrial smoke. The two great lighthouses on the seaward point of the rib are quite well known and striking in appearance. The black lighthouse at Queenscliff it's a tall, striking tower of bluestone rock brought from the banks of the Yarra Yarra River. Built in 1863, it's one of the leading lights used by the ship's masters and pilots to navigate the passage into the bay. The Point Lonsdale Lighthouse, completed in 1902, acts as the lead light for the western section of the channel. At Point Lonsdale, coral reefs reach 1,600 feet into the rip with the yellowtail rock at the seaward and covered by less than two meters of water. There are several other lighthouses and towers placed along the rip 
were on its bayward, and the Queenscliff pilots used these points uh, of reference to guide them through the narrow passage to the bay beyond. Shipping volume through the rip is so high at some times of the year that the pilots must guide their ships through several different crisscrossing channels depending on the size and the draft of the vessel in order to get everyone with a minimum of waiting through. After the rough seas at the Bath Straits and the treacherous narrows of the rip, Port Phillip Bay seems a calm and placid inland sea. 40 miles wide, 30 miles across, Port Phillip is one of the few natural harbors in Australia and is the largest and most protected natural harbor in the world. The shores of the bay are highly built up with many small towns linked by rails um, and local run small sail and steam ferries. Miles of wharves and berths uh, nose out into the water, especially along the inward curve of Hobson's Bay. The waters off of Port Melbourne are crowded with traffic. Huge merchant ships uh, cargo and cargo barges are loaded with boxes and barrels. The wharves are dark with the motion of dockhands, ship's crew, fishermen and many others. Just beyond the wharves are the rail lines, with engines pulling boxcars full of cargo to be loaded or unloaded. Even out in the deep water where the Gabrielle approaches, there's a constant wall of faint sound. As the Gabrielle is piloted towards her berth, the small craft start and wheel past her. These come in all sorts, from sleek and expensive pleasure craft to small local boats and steam ferries transporting goods and travelers between the bayside towns. Trawlers with damp nets, their decks cluttered with bins of silvered fish complete the scene. The Gabrielle glides toward her berth, not far from the railway pier. Smaller vessels with shallower draft pass onwards up the Yarra River to the Victoria Dock in the inner city. As the ship approaches the dock, you see a large crowd of people waiting by the water. A dark enclosed van is parked on the far side of the group, and the tan coats of local constables are conspicuous by their presence. When the gangway is lowered, the crowd surges forward amid the flash of photographers' bulbs and shouted questions. The reporters have returned. Officer Turlow motions several of the burlier crew members down the gangway to pre uh, prevent the crowd from boarding, and Starkweather, standing at the railing, is delighted. The press is his friend. The constables push their way forward through, uh, through the crush in the bottom of the gangway. Captain Reddenberg and James Starkweather descend to meet them. The constables board and are escorted below to take charge of Henning. The crewmen remain at the gangway's base to hold the reporters at bay, though the journalists' shouted questions are unceasing. The lawmen re reappear shortly with their prisoner in handcuffs, a constable on either side holding the arms. Henning's personal effects and the remnants of his would-be bomb are carried by a third man close behind. Henning gives the investigators a maddening superior grin as he is led away. That's you guys. That bastard. Yeah. The constables, with the help of some of the crewmen, clear a path and to take their prisoner over to the dark van and lock him inside. With Henning off the ship, Starkweather is ready to meet his adoring public. Somehow, despite the stress of the past few days and the unending diet of tinned food and the faint odor of ammonia that even now pervades the ship, he manages to look well-groomed, cool, and eager for adventure. As soon as the police have left the dock, Starkweather descends the gangway and is surrounded by newsmen, obviously in his favorite element. Tell us about the bomb, Captain! Why do you suppose a fellow would want to stop you from going south? Did you know the man, Captain Starkweather? Starkweather grins his famous grin. Now, gentlemen, one at a time. There's not so much to tell, but this is not the first time I've faced treachery, you know. <laughs> you notice other explorers quietly slip away down the pier while the reporters flock around Starkweather, eager for a bath, a soft bed, and a good meal, and this would be a good time for you to do the same. Moore approaches you and says, uh, Mr. Starkweather has arranged for the replacement of our damaged goods 
and uh, I shall see to it that everything is procured, and you, my friends, have earned a rest, as well as our thanks. Um, enjoy your leave. Uh, Mr. Moore, can you please ensure us that the ship is under guard 24-7? Absolutely, absolutely. We always have somebody here. We're being very cautious after the last month or two of quite horrific events, indeed. Okay, I, I, I might consider swapping out my bunk bed with a hotel bed or something in that mm. direction. Um, so I'll do that. <clears throat> well, what's the date today? The date is October, th uh, October 13. And you have sure leave until October 17th. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can. We don't have to go into detail here unless there's something specifically you want to kind of you want to underground fill in jazz clubs. Yeah. Otherwise, all fine. right. What about uh, what about all the other? Let's go around the table. You guys, tell me what you do. There's various like it's it's uh, uh, Melbourne is kind of like L.A. It's a big flat city. Um, it, it has a rich life, and there's a lot of small towns as well if you want to sightsee and stuff and, uh, and good food and whatnot. So, uh, David, what do you what do you spend your time doing? I'm gonna check out what the aviation industry is like in Australia. I mean, that's my interest. So I'll go to the local airport airfield and see if I can meet up with a bush pilot and get a tour of some of the, the local. Uh... That's so geeky. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, I mean, you. You. Uh, you get out there, and this is obviously a different time where it's a little bit easier just to walk onto the airfield and start talking to engineers and, and pilots and whatnot. Uh, and over the next couple of days, uh, you you probably make some friends and even uh, you know get to get to fly around uh, Australia a little bit. Cool. Um, get to know the uh, the lay of the land, so to speak. Awesome. Uh, they're all very uh, very interested uh, interested to hear your stories from from the ship and the expedition. It's it's on everybody's lips at this point. Uh, Starkweather is still sending back. Um, you know, nightly uh, radio broadcasts to the world that are syndicated um, across radio stations. So, so everybody is aware of, of you know your expedition and so forth. Um, I, I can't remember the details, Michael, but uh, the Tallahassee Lexington expedition did they uh, they sailed before us, right? Yeah. And did they use this uh, port as well? Uh, I don't think so. I think for stopping by. No, I don't think so, but honestly, I would have to look it up. Hold on. Uh, you can keep talking while I try to find out. I think they I think they went to New Zealand instead. Okay, okay, then either way, basically. I want to hear if they if if there are any rumors or any news about their expedition and if they have uh, ha had uh, actions of saboteurs and and um, I guess now we are in port, it's also time for us to catch up with the news around the world. And also, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the other expeditions, how they are faring. Mm -hmm. Alright, hold on while I... While I research that, uh, Maunus, what are you up to? The thing about Maunus now, I'm just uh, thinking a little bit more like character motivations on a... On a on a larger scale. The thing about him is like part of his background story is that he was he was part of an earlier South Pole expedition where he was uh, uh, disgraced 
uh, basically, I mean, he has a drinking problem, and the situation there was that he wasn't allowed, although it was expected to actually be part of the, <laughs> of the of the group that really went to the South Pole, to the actual South Pole. So he was just sort of uh, held back because he couldn't really control his drinking. And for him, how are you allowed know, this trip? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like for him, this mission here is a little bit a chance for him to redeem himself. But things are kind of like uh, crumbling down a bit so now with this uh, incident aboard the Gabriel things are looking like this mission really might fail. The whole thing is not, not really playing in his favor. And at the same time, he doesn't have much to... Uh, he doesn't have much power in the situation, much things to do. So I think he's probably just going to drink more. That would, <laughs> that would be his tendency. But, um, but actually, my, my first thought is, at the time, this is in the 30s and all the way till today, but I imagine it's even wilder at this time. Like Norwegian pa patriotism is really hard high um, and so, since it's a recent relatively recent independent country so um, yeah so I think like my motivation at this point is like a, a combination of things it's either like frustration through not being able to control the situation um, he has like part of his uh, pillars of sanity one of them is patriotism king and country um, so, yeah, I think he'd probably look for the Norwegian church. That seems to be where sailors, they gather around when they, when they reach port. So I'm not sure how established this whole network of, like, uh, Norwegian churches is at this time. Today, it's huge. There's, like, a Norwegian church everywhere, every port yeah. in the world. <laughs> so assuming there's some sort of, like, Norwegian community or congregation, then that's probably what he would seek. Well, I'm sure there is. I mean, Australia is also a, a country of immigrants, so... Um it probably has a, a wide spread of, of different population kinds. Um, so you, you find, you know, what you're, what you're seeking. Yeah. Um, and how does that play out? Is that just, uh, it's just basically uh, chat. I, as far as I know, these, these, uh, church communities, they work a lot as like sort of social clubs. They get news from back home. Uh, it's nostalgic. It's, it's patriotic, uh, and religious as well. And there's so, nice. And there's probably snaps if you're if you're real lucky. There might actually be snaps. So um, yeah, maybe gather gather news. I think it's more an, an emotional thing. Um, yeah. So I think that's what he would be doing. Just get some news from back home and uh, try to relax a little bit for a few days and gather his strength so he's ready to conquer the South Pole again. Mm. Very good. Who are we missing? Oh yeah. Um, Dr. Altmaier, uh, no, the Tallahassee uh, put in at Hobart in Tasmania. Okay, but but no news have arrived from that expedition in terms of uh, the of last. The last you heard was that they had left. Uh, have they left Hobart? I'm looking at my timeline here. Uh, hold on. You haven't heard anything uh, since they put in Hobart, which they did on the, let's see, October 8th. So that's five days ago. So they might have, they might have already left Hobart uh, for, the, for the Antarctic. They probably have. Yeah, that's about the, the timing, Michael. But uh, are there any news at all from this expedition about how, if they have had any accidents or um, mishaps? Give me, uh, give me some sort of skill that might help you investigate this sort of thing. 
Mm, I don't know. Not not really evidence collection, right? No, it'd be more something along the lines of library use. Um, maybe. Yeah, library use is probably the. Yeah. Okay, I have that. Okay. Uh, so, so I use the skill points and then add. Uh, no, you just have to. You just have to in this case uh, tell me that you're you're using it. Uh, so you, it just means like you go to the library. Uh, you you go through like old newspapers just to, like in, in the past week, um, and whatnot to to find the information. Um, you you hear that there has been. Uh, you read that there's been a death, um, but it, it it's unspecified exactly what happened. There's been a death on board, but not the captain or anything like that. Uh... No, it says uh, an expedition member. Okay. Of our expedition? No, of the, the Lexington expedition. Uh, I can give you a name as well, but you're going to have to bear with me for a second. Uh, Bix. B-I-C-K-S. If I have the strength, I'd like to uh, visit some jazz clubs and tell the young ladies of my heroics <laughs> on the expedition. <laughs> they can't wait. They don't know what hit them. Oh, a, a quick uh, addendum. Um, it says in the newspaper that uh, he died uh, when he fell overboard um, on the voyage from uh, Panama to uh, Tasmania. Okay. You... Um, you... Deposit your uh, letters uh, to your um, mistress and your wife, and then you head to a nightclub uh, with loose women. Yes, and uh, Maunus is welcome to join me if he needs a drink. At some point. I, yeah, I think that might cheer me up a little bit. Uh, um, with my con my con uh, my contacts I make after flying with the pilots and getting drunk and having a grand old time, uh, I want to see if I can use them to get a hold of some cool souvenirs to bring back. Um, namely, I'd like to get a hold of like a couple Aboriginal weapons, like a, a, a neatly engraved boomerang, mm. um, like an Aboriginal axe. Uh, and then I want to see if I can get a hold of a, a, a World War One surplus uh, Australian-made bolt-action rifle with a bayonet. How do you have any skills that might help in, uh, like, bargain, for instance, or... Oh, some other the acquire old shit skill, yeah, <laughs> and pay money and, Antwer and alcohol and barter. Antiquarian. Um, alcohol, I barter. have, <laughs> I have bargain, I have flattery, right. I have. Uh, so, I will, I'll, if you're using bargain, I'll give you the, the boomerang and, and even the axe. Uh, you're probably gonna have to give me a point spend, uh, for the, for the rifle. Okay, that's and then, fine. I'll do that. Then we'll discuss how you're going to get it on board and whatnot. But that, well, I guess you could put it in the the store, the storage locker where all the weapons are supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, and like a you know a box, a couple boxes of ammunition and a bayonet and for it because I want it to be World War One vintage. <laughs> it's the best souvenir, stuff. you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah souvenir, yeah. souvenir of the war from uh, my my rifle from is from uh, from 1886, so you yeah. know they made the good shit. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Sturdy. All right, so uh, do the point spend, and, and you okay. you get that. Um, I'll it's leave it spent. to you to look up the the uh, reasonable specs for it. Okay. Um, and beyond that, does anyone send any letters? Make any try to make any long distance calls or anything like that? Yeah, I'll I'll make uh, try to attempt the call uh, 
and to see if I can reach my uh, my daughter in Berlin. Okay. Um, you attempt a couple of times. You're unable to to reach anyone. Okay. Then I'll send a, a long letter saying that I miss her, and it's with great remorse that I'm on this expedition. But uh, uh, it is required to to make some sacrifices. The pendulum for told you to go. <laughs> <laughs> go south. It told me. <laughs> Just following it around the streets. <laughs> All right. Um, what else, David? You send any letters or anything to your brothers? Yeah. Yeah, I'll send some brief notes. Much longhand is written and um, the various stories uh, expounded upon. Um, beyond that, and the the Melbourneian uh, nightlife uh, enjoyed, I'm sure. And beyond that, um, you know, lots of uh, surf and turf. Food enjoyed. Barring any other actions on your part, um, after six days, the expedition's ready to sail again. Oh, if I dump, if I come across a, some decent red wine, I'll restock. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no prohibition here. This is Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to buy some more cheap booze. There may be some prohibition on board, but. Nah. Uh, onboard damage has been repaired. Uh, the new equipment is on board, and the leather, uh, the latest weather reports are promising. Um, and the Australian police has, has given their consent to let the expedition go. We hired a new guy to replace the criminal fool. Um, no, they're just going to have to work more. The, ah. the existing stewards they they spread out some of the responsibility to David Lyle and I guess a guy. August Wiley, uh, the laundry boys. Um, so they're just going to have to work more for the same uh, pay. Um, you're invest you're uh, instructed to be back uh, on the on the Gabrielle by midnight on October 17th and uh, stowing all of your personal items and so forth. Um, you haul, you know, boomerangs, axes, uh, <laughs> guns, um, you know, probably various other trophies um, and uh, some some Australian wine. Which I uh, think is uh, probably pretty good. The final provisions and crated equipment are loaded in the early morning. The activity is reminiscent of New York. Professor Moore is everywhere with his clipboard, taking notes and worrying. For once, uh, you have the luxury of leaning on the rail and just watching. As you take your ease, a large canvas-sided truck comes speeding up the berth, and the driver lays on the horn uh, continually, nimbly avoiding pedestrians and cargo. And stenciled on the side in large letters is Elix Welding and Plating. The driver of the truck climbs out from one side of the cab as soon as it stops. Starkweather jumps down from the other. Not far behind him, three battered cars disgorge a dozen reporters and photographers. With lots of gestures and shouts, Starkweather collars a couple of dockhands and sets them to unloading the truck. From the back comes long cylinders of oxygen. Haul them up, boys, Starkweather orders. The cylinders are quickly lashed together on wooden pallets to be lifted aboard the Gabrielle. In between directing the loading, Starkweather strikes poses for the photographers. Uh, and is obviously feeding the press what it wants to hear. Once the loading of the oxygen seems well underway, Starkweather makes his way up the gangway, stopping at the top to give reporters a farewell salute. Um, Thank you, lads. We'll be back in a few months. 
The Gabrielle loses her lines. Well, loses her lines and slips free of the dock at 3.30 a.m. under the command of a local pilot. The trip out to the open ocean is uneventful. Passing through the rip, a small launch pulls away from Queen's Cliff to follow the Gabrielle. Once the ship is safely through and back out into the open ocean, the pilot takes his leave and returns to the lighthouse. With a blast or two of the whistle, Captain Redenburg turns the Gabrielle towards the south and the ice. <laughs> <laughs>